all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total photonic reversal. Photonic reversal. With your hosts, Conan Neutron and Brenna Betts. Broadcasting from the top floor of the Radio Milk World headquarters in Oakland, California. What? A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. I'm, I'm from the South. <laughs> I'm a Southern Belle. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. I'm known for many things, and strong invectives are one of them. Conan, you have a lot going on right now. It means something. Well, we all deserve to be recognized. See anything wrong with, you know, being into the stuff you're into. 150 people with a massive crowd, you know. We'll sing you a song. You may be led astray. Meatloaf has a Christmas album. For what, what an excellent professional segue that was. Well, I'm very curious about Math Rock. You know, I kind of know the town man for Rob Zombie. I'm presenting you the illusion of choice. We will impress you later. Yeah, it's a very good question, and I like it because of the beginning, middle, and the end. Could not be more professional. Get you pumped up. We have answers. I just want to bring something up that I noticed via postings on the internet. You know, that's my take on it. What, what's yours? Protonic reversal! That's like a science thing, right? Yeah, that's right! Protonic reversal is on the air and in your face. Welcome, 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 one and all party people, to the greatest show in the land, the one, the only protonic reversal we welcome you to it we'd also like to uh, welcome our very special guest mr brett eugene ralph hello brett hey universe how are y'all doing yep there we go that's more like it for peoples you win a prize for being brett nice i've been winning a prize for being brett my entire life oh every shit. day <laughs> every day every, every day. goddamn day every day <laughs> Fantastic. That's a that's a Miss Brenna Betts on the handheld. Mike, said to go with the handheld. That's I, a uh, that's I a bold was, choice. I was uh, making a quick decision there. Yeah, decided to improv with the the no ma- mic stand. You know, it's 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 good to be able to move that quickly. As radio professionals, of course, you know we have everything 
pretty much ready. We have an entire team here at Radio Note World HQ that is ready to serve our every need. And mm-hmm. that is a great place to be. But sometimes you just got to flip the script a little bit. You go handheld, you know? Let's, let's go wild with this. The click y'all just heard was me taking off my sunglasses so I can make eye contact <laughs> with you through the ether. I know oh. you Californians are all about energy, so I didn't want a, an obstacle between me and whatever Did, you're trying to Didn't want to, to make it weird. weird. Two, yeah, yeah. Two weeks I never want to make it already, weird. You've already figured us out. Well, it ain't the first time I've been out here. Oh, okay. Well, That's right. So, uh, Brett, you are visiting uh, from none other than the glorious land of Kentucky. What's what's Kentucky's uh, state slogan, or like what's a? We're the bluegrass state. Bluegrass. I was gonna say the bourbon state. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Clearly, that's where my mind you is. You can you can get in the bourbon state anywhere, though. I believe. Yeah, uh, and uh, you're you're visiting. You you've been enjoying your stay so far, Very right? Much so it's yeah. I mean, if you have me start recounting. The week that I've been here, uh, the two hours are going to be over before <laughs> exactly. you get to We're talk not... again. Yeah, that's well. I, it's I'm been sure... a, it's been a glorious vacation, but I'm here to uh, marry two dear friends of mine. I'm officiating a wedding tomorrow night, and that's the the ultimate purpose of this trip. And that's interesting because that is a thing that uh, you're you're ordained minister with the Universal Life Church, I believe. Right? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. And you have uh, you were talking about this with me earlier. I married PRF and Kentucky Chrome Review Life member Jamie Colvin a few years ago. I think she was my third wedding. And you only tend to do this with the uh, people you know, right? I have to know you and believe in your love for me to uh, consecrate your bond. Nice. Yeah, th- those are the only two rules. I was asked to marry uh, one of my students. Her daughter asked me to marry her and her fiance. Mm-hmm. I, I I have never met this woman. Uh, and I wrote her back and said, well, why do you ask me? And she said, well, my mom says you're really cool. But she said, I'm a witch and my, hub is, my husband is a Baptist. And mm. we know you're a Buddhist. And we figure that kind of splits the difference. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully I'm a little closer to a witch than a Baptist. But, you know... <laughs> one one yeah one can hope so it's yeah. sort of like they're kind of like well we know we're not going to go with the because they say there's matching and contrast right and you're, you're, they're not going to necessarily go with matching with all that theology so might as well just go for wild card huh yeah long right. as long as they believe in each other I don't care what else they believe in nah it's beautiful that's a beautiful <laughs> sentiment and uh, you know I'd, I'd agree that's a uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing and that's uh and that's something and, and normally I know you of course uh, through your many musical exploits which have been wide and varied and we will we will mm. get into them looking looking forward to that all right. Uh, and uh, I was gifted with a Kentucky Chrome Review CD, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, I think that deserves a little... Uh... Yeah! yeah. Oh, nice. There we go. People wow. like it when I get free stuff. Keep that in mind. People. Brenna's really loud when she puts her mind to it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Oh, good, good shouting. It's true. I pack a punch and a sound. <laughs> All of those things. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, playing a couple of those tunes, and I think that'll Sweet. that'll be a, that'll be a pretty good time. Um, yeah, that, it's 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 interesting. Punk rocker goes country isn't a story that uh, well, you know, I don't, is that, that common necessarily. I don't know if I went country. I think I was always country. I just started playing country. You know, right? Country music was the only music really played in my home growing up in Kentucky because that's all my dad liked to listen to. So. And I listened to country music, you know, with my football buddies all through high school. I was going to see Merle and David Allen Coe. And so there's like kind of like a, there's a thread that runs through it with you. It wasn't just something that you're like. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I think most of the best country artists are kind of rebels and mavericks and sure. fit in pretty neatly with the punk ethos. Ha, yeah, I was going to say, have definitely, if not, you know, musically necessarily, like the punk rock mindset and just sort of like that rebellious sort of attitude seems to be very uh, a strict corollary mm-hmm. with it. To me, you know, I mean, to me, it's more punk rock to like do your own thing in a fresh weird way than to slavishly mimic a revolution that happened 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? There was a, I, I so wish that I could take credit for this. And I've certainly used the phrase more often than not, but uh, I think punk rock reenactors, much like mm-hmm. their civil war reenactors. Oh, wow. Wow. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's a really can't awesome take credit for it. Unfortunately, I can't remember who I, who point. I lifted that off of, but I got a radio show and they don't. Yeah. So how I, was, I, guess, how I, was, I could be a dick about it. How is Rancid any hands. different from Fish? They're both sure. being a revolution that's <laughs> has nothing way to in do the past. with it. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a it's decent point. It's true. I actually looked up um, on Wikipedia, like, I wanted the definition of funk music and, and some, so, some artists listed so that I could really understand, like, what I was getting myself into looking for a, a funk playlist. And. Fish was on on the descriptor. Oh come on! There wasn't just a picture of James Brown and no words. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of all you need, really, right? No, I, I mean I already I already knew that part, but I wanted a better description, and uh, mm. I was really su- surprised to see Fish listed in basically the description of the rhythm and right. I guess I'd be more dismayed to see it rather than surprised. I mean, that's, that's, well, I'm being polite. Yeah. That's kind of how I roll. (laughs) Yeah. That's the kind of thing that we're like, when I, we're in Oakland, can we just play funk music for two hours? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to have the the greatest, you know, everybody always asks me since I've been out here, we've been talking about, Music, you know, and and San Francisco music, because I was over there until last night. Which there's a deep history. Of course. Yeah. Every town, you know, and when in Rome, you know. Right. And people always ask me, you know, well, what's your favorite San Francisco band? And I think they mean like late 60s, the the original San Francisco explosion. Okay, right. Like like that uh, era of... And my answer is always, well, if Sly and the Family Stone is a San Francisco band, then the answer is obvious, but... If they're an Oakland band, then the answer is Moby, Moby <laughs> right. Grape. Okay. Wow. <laughs> all right. All right. The Drop first Moby knowledge. Grape record is my favorite, like, rock, 60s rock record to come out of okay. the Bay Area. That's cool. a, yeah, yeah, that's a solid, if you're going to go for, uh, you know, that's a solid choice there, my friend. That, and that's good. if the Dicks are a San Francisco band, and they're from Austin, so that's debatable, then they're probably my favorite punk rock band from San Francisco. Got a little James Brown. Uh, uh, give it up and turn it loose, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back shortly with with, with some more tunes, and um, we'll be come back with uh, Mr. Brett Eugene Ralph. Baby, got, 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 
up, but I only got a face on Uh, your Pretty Face is Going to Hell by Brett Eugene Ralph's Kentucky Chrome Review Stooges cover. Yep. What is up with that? That's fantastic. Well, I was listening to this record. Uh, it's called Hard to Beat. I can't remember when it came out. I was in grad school, so I don't know, late 80s, early 90s, something like that. And it's a double album of all Australian bands covering the Stooges. 
mm-hmm. and the cover of your pretty face going to hell was super fast and uh rocking but the, of which the original is already pretty totally fast and pretty rocking as but well i guess he was exaggerating the accent because he was you know a stoned Australian imitating Iggy. Right. And he was like, purty face and a dirty love. And I was like, wow, he sounds like a hillbilly. And yeah, I thought, yeah. well, Iggy kind of sings like a hillbilly. And, you know, he grew up in a trailer park outside sure. Ann Arbor. Yeah, so yeah. I thought it'd be cool to do a Stooges song as kind of a, a honky-tonk song. Yeah. And, and we got actually Bay Area resident. I think she still lives here. She might be in New York now, though. Uh, Jolie Holland, is she still around here? I, as far as I know, yes, yes. Yeah, no, is that she, she's doing the the she, other? I think Paz played the violin on part of it, but Jolie on another part. I can't remember a lot okay. of stuff. And Pink Nasty on vocals sounding as pretty as ever. But Jolie, you know, uh, I had never even met Jolie. We we have a mutual friend, Chris Strofolino, who had kind of sung our respective praises to one another. So we kind of knew who each other were. I think we tried to hang out one time when I was out here and just couldn't get the schedules to jive. But she played a show with Kathy Irwin in Louisville. And after the show, I introduced myself. And within you know 20 minutes of meeting her, I had uh, convinced her to come out to Shelbyville, Shelbyville and play a little fiddle and sing yeah, a little yeah. bit on the record. Nice. And, and she... Did a real good part. Wow, that's great. That's that's really great. Uh, before that, I should mention we also had Notice of Intent by a Practice Wife. That is a debut, actually, a, a world premiere, world premiere, if you will. In fact, that is such a world premiere. I think I even have a, a world premiere uh, related soundbite that I that I could do here. Let's see if I can pull this off. This is going to be radio gold, people. Let's see if we can do this. Let's see if we can pull this off. Oh, are we going to be able to do it? I don't know. There's still gold out of here. There's still <laughs> there's just on the radio. You only on the radio, not so much in the hills anymore. Um, I don't know. Every experience I've had since I got here has been pretty golden. I don't know about it. Oh, that's it, nice. Well, that's that's sweet. That's yeah. very sweet. <laughs> and I, I appreciate the, the stalling uh, for it. <laughs> stalling. This is a radio. Nope I always talk premiere. this slow. So that was the. This is a radio. Nope. World premiere. Of uh, Practice Wife with uh, that was uh, off of their new record that is not actually out yet. It's coming in out in the fall. Routine Enthusiasm is the name of that uh, Canadian band. Mm. Good stuff. Beautiful cover art by Mr. Rick Froberg of uh, Hot Snakes. Jay Who. That's fame. James Sullivan's. James joint. Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. Hey James. There you go. You listening out there? They got radio in Canada yet? Can you, can you hear me? <laughs> How are they doing up there in America's Dig hat? Dig the putan out of your ears and listen up, James. <laughs> it is going down in Oakland. We... Wow. <laughs> putan? Did I pronounce that right? I thought it was putain. But, putain? Uh, I Putaint. <laughs> oh, that's a whole different situation. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Uh, Sorry, Canada. <laughs> Saucy Kentucky. I still Kentuckian. love you. Before that, of course, speaking of James, we had a uh, little James Brown. Little James Brown there, yeah. which was uh, Give It Up and Turn It Loose, which... Is a fantastic track. I'll always use any opportunity to play some James Brown. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Now, uh, and again, not just to get away from the poutaint. No, not for, at for all. For a little while. But a little goes a long way, actually. <laughs> a little poutaint goes a long way, indeed. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. Uh, so, Kentucky Chrome 
the whole Kentucky Chrome Review thing is sort of a the, the, the evolution kind of goes from uh, you had malignant growth first of all hardcore band mm-hmm. right and then that band sort of evolved sort of not changed. an original member I you know I came halfway you, you came through, but, but you yeah I, for, I stumbled into like an established first generation Louisville band but I don't go back all the way sure but it is definitely a, a, you spent your time in the, in the scene. Mm-hmm. If you will, and then it. Beca- Are you suggesting that I paid my dues? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Conan? I'm implying it at the very least. Fair enough. Uh, and then uh, those that band sort of evolved into uh, fading out, fading, fading out, out, right? Right, which was the same band with a different drummer, and right. that drummer actually, Sean Mulhall, had been in Malignant Growth uh, before I was in the band. Okay, so it wasn't a stretch, but it was more. I think Dave Grubbs called it biker rock. It was kind of more, everybody was going metal around 84, 85. I was going to say Black it was kind of, Black Flag, yeah. SSD, even Minor Threat, Out of Steps kind of metal compared to the earlier stuff. It definitely, you know? yeah, a little heavier, a little Yeah, everybody was moving that way. And, you know, that's what we were all listening to before we got into punk rock anyway. And Ted the, Nugent, Black Sabbath, ACDC. Sure, yeah. And uh, then after that, I think the the band you had after that has a one of my favorite band names ever, which is Rising Shotgun. Yeah, thanks, is, I, I like that. What, what a great band name, right? That's, what I dug is I didn't know what it was going to be yet, you know, because I so you I had just the name first. Four, I had the name first, okay. and I had I knew I wanted to play with Dave Pajo because we we had played one show together. He played the last, well, not the last Fading Out show, the second to last one. But I just wanted to play with Dave some more because. He's such a great musician and such a beautiful dude. And uh, hi, Dave, if you're out there. I know you're out there somewhere. but Dave Pajo yeah. of, of many awesome musical projects, of which Slint is easily the, the best known. His greatest project is being David Christian Pajo, one right. of the most beautiful dudes you'll ever meet in your he, life. He you did know? that Misfits record that's uh, like all like kind of like down-tempo and like somber. And I didn't hear all that. He did that version of Last Caress on one of those yeah. aerial, or maybe it was still just M singles. Ah, it's great. It's really Beautiful. It was one of those things I heard. I'm like, what the, what the, I know this. Viva, <laughs> the instrumental on the other side of that record is is one of the best pieces of music I think David ever did too. But at any rate, uh, Rise and Shock, and what I dug about the name is it could be a metal band, it could be a country band, it could be a rock yeah, and roll band. Right, you know, it, yeah. the name has legs. You know, it could go in a lot of different ways. Punk rock band, even. You know, there's sure, a gun in yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. I, like and you don't yeah you don't all you know was like oh man that sounds badass whatever it is like you know that you don't know what a rising shotgun is or? well I mean for me it's just as rising shotgun is like you know hey it's stuff's about it's to a get metaphor real. not well what there is, is that okay yeah actually one of our shows I guess a lot of people I thought everybody knew what one was I don't think it was just a, a Kentucky thing but definitely a generational thing okay but one time on stage Britt Walford got up and explained to the audience in between songs what a rising shotgun wants. And it was it was so funny. Uh, I can't replicate it though. I'd love to imitate Britt Walford. But anyway, Rising Shotgun is when you're 13, 14 years old, and you got like one joint's worth of ditch weed and <laughs> five people, and it probably won't even get you all high. Right. You you know about blowing shotguns to each other. You in know. In the south. Oh, so okay. okay, this is actually not a thing out here. Blowing shotguns. Well, it's not very sanitary. I would expect. Well. It's just people on the West Coast don't do that. They okay. don't know because I I introduced someone to that when at the moment that the Warriors won the championship, I was like, "Hey, come here." Seems and like I the time for shot. an intimate gesture like that. You yeah, know? it actually 
literally and more metaphorically, I'm pretty sure blew his mind a little bit. Well, a Ryzen <laughs> shotgun is even more mind blowing because so it starts the shotgun part is one person putting a joint back, putting the the glowing ember in their mouth mm-hmm. and, mm. you know, blowing smoke out the opposite end to another right. person mm-hmm. in their nose or mouth. But a Ryzen shotgun, the added element, you need three people. So one mm, person, okay. one person's blowing the shotgun. Forget about him or her for a minute. Mm-hmm. All right. The other two people, one guy, the guy who's going to get the shotgun uh, leans over and either holds his breath as long as he can or breathes in and out as fast as he can to try to induce hyperventilation or some semblance of it. Mm-hmm. So then the the shotgun dude leans down and blows him a shotgun. And then the third guy who's behind him, with his maybe with his arms already around him but waiting to, grabs him from behind around his stomach and kind of picks him up in the air and shakes him and squeezes what? even more wind out of him. And my buddy Mick one time, we blew him a sh- rising shotgun up in Aircoy Park. And he, he was a skinny dude. And when, when he was let go of, he passed out and bit the dust. Oh, man. And when we revived him, he had like three pieces of gravel stuck in his forehead <laughs> from where he like fell on the ground. But believe wow. me, like, and that would probably make you feel high even if no one blew your shotgun. I was going to say, if you right, did exactly. it without drugs, it would probably still work. You're getting something out of it. For but sure. it's, you know, it's one of those things that kids, you know, kids are endlessly creative. There's the rising shotgun. There's a rising shotgun now. That's the sound of Mickey Warner's forehead hitting the gravel <laughs> of Aircoy Park. Just eating it. <laughs> hey, Mick. <laughs> that's for you. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's I've, a never, and I've never done that before. That's pr- pretty amazing. Do you know what Kentucky Chrome is? No. And well, and so then, yeah, the, the next band, of course, is the incredibly uh, long name. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the aspect, well, the audacity of having the long name with the ownership of like the, the, the dude behind sure. it. Sure. We should say that because we kind of met under his auspices that Rise and Shotgun made a record at Electrical with Steve Albini Mr. at the Steve helm Albini. in... 1999. Yep. Has Adam. Steve been on radio? Nope. Or yeah, Protonic uh, Reversal? Yeah, Steve has been on Protonic Reversal. Um, he's actually going to be on Protonic Reversal again, I think. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. It's some, oh, when he soon, passes through here? Soon as he, they just came through. Uh, I, you know, of course, I had a secret dream of like, oh, it'd be great to get all of Shellac, all three of those guys oh, yeah. at once. But you know, they're all busy, dude. Sure. You know, then they were too busy like being one of the best live rock and roll bands in the country. So, <laughs> you know, how that goes. They are a good band live. Yeah, but they're uh, yeah. Steve's a uh, Steve Albini is is a, is a great great guy, great dude, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, so, so Brett Eugene Ralph's Kentucky Chrome review is what happened after Rising Shotgun. It is still happening. Still happening. Last time I checked. And and what is Kentucky Chrome? Kentucky Chrome, I was told, is a Colorado hippie euphemism for duct tape. Kentucky Chrome. Wow. Oh, okay. Because apparently right. we're, you know, toothless hillbillies who can't afford to fix our cars, so everything's taped together. <laughs> I would say North Georgia Chrome makes more sense to me. Well, but. yeah. I haven't been to North. That's where Harry Cruz is from. Oh, every, all roads no, apparently hear, go back to Harry Cruz, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as they, you know, many times in life they do. Uh, so yeah, Kentucky Chrome Review was, but it was. I wanted to do a big revolving band. Uh, probably my favorite music ever made is the Rolling Thunder Review. The sure, Bob yeah. Dylan did yeah, in yeah. seventy five, seventy six, and 
I wanted to do kind of a cross between that and, you know, Waylon and Merle's kind of outlaw country bands of the 70s, but with some punk energy behind it. That's well, awesome. and, and, yeah, and to me, it kind of seems like, all right, this is, you know, sort of your outlaw country sort of stuff that uh, is, is coming at you from more of a punk rock world. Mm-hmm. Like explicitly in attitude, if not explicitly in music. Right, right. I mean, yeah, outlaw country is pretty punk. It's the punk of country, I would guess, yeah. you know? Well, mm-hmm. you were telling me a story earlier this morning about, uh, <laughs> about, about Mr. Waylon? Waylon Jennings, if you wouldn't mind retelling that No, it's audience. a good one. Uh, I read this book called Outlaw last month, uh, kind of about the outlaw country explosion in the 70s. And it was mainly about Waylon Willie, uh, Chris Christopherson, and Tom Paul Glazer. But uh, I guess Waylon was addicted to both cocaine and pinball. In the late seventies oh, and deadly early eighties, um, yeah, that <laughs> and he would st- like a great evening. He would stay up for days, <laughs> snorting coke and playing pinball. And Tom Paul Glazer's studio was like the party central alternative studio where everyone did their late night sessions. And I guess Waylon, a bunch of hangers on, and people were partying at, at the Glazer Brothers studio. And Richie Albright, Waylon's drummer, came in for a morning session, right on time and ready to go to work. Mm-hmm. And he passed this gaggle of uh, hangers-on and partiers, among whom Waylon was sitting there. And uh, when Richie walked by, Waylon reached out and flicked him in the nuts. <laughs> and Richie Albright didn't even look at who did it, just swung first, hit Waylon square in the face, knocked him off his chair. Everybody fell silent because nobody had ever punched Waylon out before, you know. A, he probably could kick your ass. B, he's your boss, you know? Yeah, yeah. he's the one paying the bills, right? So <laughs> so Richie was like, oh, my God, Waylon, I'm so sorry. And they were helping Waylon up, and he was kind of discombobulated. He's like, Waylon, I'm so sorry. I did not know that was you. And he said, don't give it another thought, Hoss. I'll never hit another man in the nuts as long as I live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I accidentally... (laughs) I accidentally kicked my friend in the balls once when when we were teenagers and... Man, <laughs> I know the strength it took him not to hit me back. Yeah, yeah it's it's a special kind of thing because it, it's teenage balls got a lot more in them too. You know, that's got to hurt. Worse. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I wouldn't know, but I mean, I know he wanted to punch me in the boob. Well, there's the initial really pain. Bad. There's the first pain you get, which is a sharp pain, and right. then there's a dull sort of rising oh, yeah. pain that kind of comes up. That you're like, oh, like a rising no. shotgun. No, very much like a yeah. rising shotgun, as it turns out. Yeah, that just you you just feel it like it, it, it's like. What I imagine seeing a tsunami is like of just like oh my, and then it's just like when you stub your toe, yeah, way more intense. (laughs) Like that, except for a hell of a lot more intense. Indeed. (laughs) Okay. Here's hoping none of us ever have to pick gravel out of our nuts. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's never do that. (laughs) Even me. I definitely. Or anyone. I mean, I'm pretty ballsy. I really hope that that never happens. We'll make a pact. (laughs) Those of us in this room. We'll never pick gravel out of our balls. <laughs> it's a very specific fact. Yeah. I, you, you I get, just said that. I said you got to appreciate the specificity. Probably feels cool after a while once you get used to it. <laughs> With the right, you know, situation. Riding a bike, though, I feel like would probably be uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a bummer. I got, I got, I'm not gonna lie. That's gonna, that would probably be a drag. I couldn't tell you last time I was on a bicycle, so I'm not sweating that part of it too much. <laughs> so the the song. Kentucky Chrome. Yes. Uh, that was a Rising Shotgun song, actually. Oh, was it really? We okay. played it one time, I think, and then 
Rising Shotgun kind of fell apart. And, uh, and then, you know, the Kentucky Chrome Review was just a studio project. It was just me asking everybody I knew to help bring these songs to life in this extended kind of vanity project. Sure. And sure. I didn't know who was going to put it out or nothing. You were just kind of doing it for the love yeah. of the music and just to, to do it. Well, I had played a few, so, quote, solo shows, but, you know, all my songs got solo passages, leads, and I can't solo. And I don't like playing by myself. I at least want a violin player, a, a lead guitar player, somebody to just add some frosting, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'd played a few shows like that, and I guess maybe five or ten people were familiar enough with my songs. And Paz, was, Paz Lanchanta was living in Louisville. Okay. She played with Papa M. She was in Zwan, if you remember them. Ah, Perfect unfor- unfor- Circle. Unfortunately so. I'm, I she, hope she got paid for that. She's the bass player for the Pixies these days and also uh, has been playing with the Entrance Band for okay. a long time. All right. She's a phenomenal bass player, great violin player, piano player, singer, and just a, a sweet, sweet girl. And we had met one another through David, and, and I really loved her playing and had played one show with her. And she was fixing to move back to L.A., and I just wanted to get her on a record of mine before she left. So that was interesting. the, the okay. original impetus to go into the studio was, let's do it while Paz. So, I mean, I couldn't pass up the idea of Paz and Jason Lowenstein being my rhythm section. Yes, you know, that's, that's a- like... That's the John Bonham and John Paul Jones of sure. our generation, as yeah. far as I can tell. And uh, Lowenstein, of course, uh, Mr. Mr. Jake, Mr. Jake Rock is uh, Sebado. Is his, uh, I think mm-hmm. most people he know put, from. He's got, he put out a great record of his own under his mm-hmm. own name and played on Viva Last Blues. That's uh, I kind of miss Sebado. You know, I I mean I knew of him, but I, I wasn't buying their records at the time. Sure. But when I heard his drumming on Viva Last Blues, Steve recorded it, of course. Yeah. But, I was just, that's the drum sound I want in when I made a Multi-talented individual, that he guy. He can sing real pretty, too. Yeah. Mr. 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 Jake Rock, here's to yeah. you. Hey, Jake. The, uh, no, it, 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 I brought up the song, Kentucky Chrome, because one of the first lines uh, is... Uh, <laughs> A teddy, there's was it? There's a major difference between teddy bears and, and titty bars. There's right, a, right. Which I was like, wow. we call that a slant rhyme. Where I'm from, <laughs> yeah, the a slant rhyme. <laughs> it doesn't quite rhyme, you know. It's, it's not like a true you're slanted rhyme. Towards a rhyme. I mean, that's a poetry term. That's not. Yeah. yeah but what I, what teddy I, bears and there's a clear aural connection, but they don't rhyme. Yeah. And there's a great visual, you know, corollary to that as well as you know that says a lot. That says like four or five lines worth of stuff within you know a, a, a few words, which I think is you know interesting and kind of shows your appreciation of language and uh, your you know well, as as a poet. That's as well, what that, poets try to do, yeah. as far as I can tell, is manipulate you, words. Well, no, just say a lot with a little and don't really say it. You know. Well, yeah, it's all about uh, reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I thought that was. You know, it's it's evocative. You know, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you know, even though I don't like every song that the man's ever done, but John John Darnell of the Mountain Goats. I think he like he puts out a mean phrase. Mm. You know, there'll be every, usually like every record or so there'll be like one or two phrases. They're just like, oh, that's like. That's like a, a novella in a sentence. Well, that's that's usually, fantastic. When it comes to lyrics, unfortunately, that's usually as good as it gets is a couple good lines like right. that in a song. Like People think I'm a word guy, but in all honesty, a lot of times I don't pay attention that much to lyrics because that's usually where so much music falls short. And you know, the goal is yeah. to make every line in a song as good as that one right. line you hear. Every song's got one great line, but yeah. you kind of want like... The 
the second song on that Kentucky Chrome Review record, I think I wrote 28 verses to get three. That's why it has <laughs> yeah, a real yeah. weird rhyme scheme as sure, I kind of yeah. cobbled together all the good lines yeah. Yeah. and left out the stuff that was not as good. And I, I, I just think, I think people, most people don't revise their lyrics the way, certainly the way people revise poems or stories or novels. Yeah. But a lot of times I don't even think they work on the, the lyrics half as hard as the music. And uh, yeah, it is very important. If it's rock and roll and noisy music where the, the vocals aren't so pronounced, no harm, no foul. You know, they should just like kind of evoke the spirit. Well, there's also if you're the, doing yeah, lyrically driven country or folk or singer songwriter mm-hmm. music, you better make those words count. Where the music is like the lyrical delivery system. And almost. it ain't like my, yeah, it ain't like my songs are that complicated or going to blow your mind, you know, with their musical innovations. It's five chord. <laughs> country folk you know hopefully the arrangements are fun well, to yeah, I, to, I, I think you're selling it a little short but i i, I yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying with that yeah. i wish more people because i everybody if you can write one great line you can write 20 great lines you just got to take the time to make yourself do it you right. know and well yeah, and, and be, does, be a certain amount of fearlessness to it too you know just yeah and i mean honestly a lot of people don't have the same creative ability to understand reading between the lines mm. You know, and it's not that they're not capable of it, but it does take a certain amount of development, I think. And I've been like in a hip hop revival stage lately, listening to a lot of new artists. And I mean, like sometimes their words just blow me away in combination with the rhythm. And it's like, it's really amazing to think about all the things going on in our country and the world and how it affects people and how they express that through their words and music and kind of, uh, creating a portrait because everything kind of or at least for me everyone learns differently everyone everyone absorbs concepts differently but i think for me oh uh, the lyrics like create a, a picture mm-hmm. and that's what they should do if you're good at it i've been listening to a lot of hip-hop too there's a new uh 105.1 throwback is the yeah. throwback hip-hop in uh-huh. louisville okay and there's kind of a, a hip-hop revival there of old-school hip-hop. Cool. Because of that radio station. But I remember when I first started listening to hip-hop, it seemed like it was really, you know, the first music I remember since Elvis Costello came on the scene, where there was just that joy at, like, the mad rush of language and just yeah. putting mm. words together and just loving words for their musical quality. Yeah, yeah and just seeing just what happens with as it or whatever. denotators yeah. and... and uh, I really, you know, as a poet, and uh, I really dug that about hip hop. It's just the, yeah, it's really beautiful sometimes, flow. and uh, it's so like expansive. There's so much, and like you could write off a lot of it because a lot of it maybe isn't something you can relate to, but a lot of it is very thoughtful and expressing mm. a lot of strife and and things that people have gone through. And there's actually. Uh, been listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar lately. There's a line in one of his old album or his album from 2010 that's actually very popular that says, <laughs> "Wait, I cannot. I'm not about to rap this, people. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Bust a move, Brenna. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to want to want to back it's me? A, I can make that happen. Can you find the song? If you can find the song, it's all um. Wait. Now I'm distracted. <laughs> Guys, give me a moment. 
I pray my dick get big as the Eiffel Tower so I can fuck the world for seven to two hours. <laughs> mm. That's it. All right. That's a, that's wow. a good. That's yeah. it. As far as dreams go, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a, that's a great oh, line. If, you, if you'd nice. waited like. I've heard good things about Kendrick Lamar. He is I a haven't very checked thoughtful, him out. You should check him out. It's, it's, his new album is, I think, in a lot of ways, revolutionary to what's happening in culture. A little late in the game my, there. Yeah, yeah. Pray my dick get big as the Apple Tower so I can fuck the world for 72 hours. Damn, I got bitches. Damn. <laughs> yes, I just did it. I'm more along there the lines of uh, MC Ren as the motherfucking coroner getting rid of motherfuckers as if they was a foreigner. <laughs> no, that's, that's my favorite rap couple. Nice. Wow. But I, I think I think I'm going a little too little fast with that. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. You that's what I'm that more. Smooth, yeah. Mm. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that's a little more like it. It's not, this is some show. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Let's say it in a rap because we do not sing. I got accused of rapping. I mean, I shouldn't say accused. But... <laughs> accused! <laughs> yeah, yeah. accused! I'm guilty of being white. Accused, exclamation point, <laughs> of rapping. No, I. Uh, in in malignant when malignant growth was morphing into fading out, you know I don't have a lot of range and certainly out of melody as a singer, and so I, I sing very rhythmically. It's kind mm. of about dancing around the beat, yeah, 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 as much as melodically sure, yeah. throwing in changes. That's and very and a lot of people in the you know early to mid eighties kind of thought I sang like a rapper, and I, I listen to hip hop a lot. That's gonna sound like this. <laughs> Like that, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> what? Buster Rhyme Conan. That's the uh, on the new Kentucky Chrome record. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think before so it's going to be the Kentucky Chrome review rap crossover yeah. record. Actually, we were talking about you know throwing together a band with the cats I met in the Lower Hate Sunday, and it was going to be Brett Eugene Ralph's Black Gold review. Oh, nice. Okay. Chrome. All right, that's good. Um, sorry, I just recorded an entire half track of uh, classic hip hop out of Garage Band. That's that's what you get with this show. Uh, it, Charcoal it Gray was classic too already. Charcoal Gray, I think we were talking about maybe doing play. You want to yeah, play that play song? Charcoal yeah, Gray. let's uh, let's hear uh, my friend Zoe, uh, who that song was written as a wedding present for, has San Francisco roots. And uh, oh, fantastic! I spent uh, a really magical week last weekend in Nicasio, is it called? Near Point Reyes, over oh, that yeah, way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. With my friend Lou and her husband, Robert, and their daughter, Cleo. Uh, Cleo wasn't born yet, but I met Robert and Lou. Well, actually, I met Lou before the wedding, but I met them through Zoe at the wedding uh, that I attended and wrote that song in anticipation of going to. Oh, fantastic. So yeah, cool. It's all That's great. connected. That's very cool. And I tried to get Zoe and her husband and two children to meet me in the Bay Area on this trip because I haven't seen him in about five years and right. uh, Zoe's brother and sister-in-law and and uh, do they have a niece or a nephew? Gosh, I'm spacing out. But anyway, and their child. They got a child. There you here. go. You, 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 you have the child. non-declarative yeah, child. Yeah. So yeah, it's all connected. So that'd be a good one. All right. Here's a charcoal gray. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Here's, that. here's charcoal gray.
sea I figured what the fuck I tossed my suit into the truck A $500 suit If you must know Perfect to get married in Or watch people get buried in Perfect to get laid beneath the snow And if I Bitches have to say, Yeah, go ahead and take my life. 
wife, but wait until they're man and wife, then bury me in my suit of charcoal gray. And if I die in Massachusetts, if I die far from my kin, if I die destitute and toothless, won't you see this is a suit I'm buried in? The suit I'm buried in This is a Radio Nope world premiere
there we go. That's Clouded Bliss by Love Moon. We were ended a year ago by a car. (laughs) Hello, Brett. Oh, hey. (laughs) We're back back on the air with Brett, Eugene, Ralph. Let's not talk about my physical woes. We were discussing how massages are sometimes better than hugs. Although hugs are great. Hugs are amazing, but hugs sadly can't cure all my ills physically. Yeah, a lot of them. That's reasonable. No, the, that's, I think that's fair. The psychic and emotional ills they they do wonders for. But yeah, good to the physical ones. Not mm-hmm. always. Uh, that was another world premiere. Uh, that's off of the new Love Moon record uh, and <clears throat> tape. That's called Clouded Bliss. What was that? A scoff? <sighs> people see, people seem to like tapes. I have three tape players in my house. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I have crates of tapes in the in the garage. Really? Can I go through but, them? Uh, sure, you can have them if you want them. Really? Jesus Christ, yeah. I bet there's Take some good away. ones in there. There's some great ones. I, I, I pawned off like an entire crate on police teeth because they had a uh, they had a tape player in their van. I was like, really? You want like a bunch of like really awesome tapes that are never going to listen to again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this cat I know in Paducah, Kentucky named Robert Spees. He's a visual artist and a filmmaker and just... Uh, one of the cooler folks I've met in Western Kentucky, but he collects cassettes and he has hundreds and if not, I'm sure he has thousands. He probably has, I don't know the number. A prodigious collection. Tons. And, right. uh, you know, he has like safe as milk on cassette, you know what wow, I'm saying? Wow, nice, yeah, yeah. But uh, I was trying to come up with a cassette he maybe didn't have and I, I was coming up short. Uh-huh. And then uh, while I knew David, uh, David Grubb sent me a cassette just with a letter. I think just as a joke, like a reference to our mutual past. Right, right. But it was the the original cassette of the process of weeding out. Oh, you. Know. And I gave it to Robert, and he just lost his shit. <laughs> what? Yeah. You, you know what? And wow. I, and I kid you not, I think I actually have that same cassette. Wow, I what? had never owned I'm the record your before. Tape collection. I I, I, yeah. pro- I, just, I mean, because I, I love that black. Flag I do record. too. It's I awesome. just I knew it would mean more to Robert yeah, yeah, than yeah. it did to me. That's why I gave it to him. But <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'll, I'd I'll love to, to find it. a vinyl copy of that record, yeah, man. which I've That's never owned. Record. I've never owned a vinyl copy of it. That's a jacked up It's probably record. the only Black Flag record I've never owned on vinyl, come to think of it. Like proper releases back in the day, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a reissue. Not, or, or not, you know, something that's come out since, like... Or that one that looks like Sour Apple Candy that came out with the Ron Raising, the, the Black Flag featuring Greg Ginn and... Uh, oh, right, yeah, but... There was a... I mean, God, and, and like the drummer like didn't play with any shoes and kind of looked like a cut right Harry Dean Stanton. What's wrong with people not wearing shoes, Conan? If they, Do you know who you're talking to? If they're in, the, if they're <laughs> if they're in some shitty band that's calling themselves Black Flag uh, oh, and okay. they suck as a drummer, there's plenty wrong. Fair if, enough. If, yeah. I'll tell you what. Playing drums without shoes seems like a questionable. There's a few decision. people I know that can pull it off. Yeah, and I'm like, if you can pull I'd it off, I'd be scared cool. to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, you shouldn't drive in flip-flops. That's also a thing. <laughs> Gar- Garth from the Rutabaga can do it. Greg from Deerhoof. I know a few barefoot drummers that rip, and I'm like, that just seems fucking dangerous to me. Yeah, I weigh 300 pounds, man. My feet are way more important to me than most people. You know, I'm not going to play the drums without shoes on. <laughs> uh, and I should mention that before we had that uh, Love Moon world premiere, that was a Charcoal Gray, which is another Brett Eugene Ralph's Kentucky Chrome Review song. It is. And uh, yeah, that, that's a uh, 
That's another one off that record. If you, you, people are looking to uh, pick up this record, what's the best way for them to do that, Brett? Uh, it's still in print via Noise Pollution, the Louisville uh, label that released it. Okay, so they can uh, order that direct from uh, Noise Pollution. They can. Probably. Uh, and they can order the second Kentucky Chrome Review record as soon as somebody consents to release it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's noisepollutionrex.com. Yeah. R-E-C-S, not, R, not W-R-E-C-K-S. Right, That'd right. That'd be different. Um, yeah, so you got another one. I thought it was Louisville Noise. Maybe it's a separate for the records themselves. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Maybe you're. Oh yeah, you know what? I think I just gave you the address to a uh, a record store in Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, I think it, I, that's I think a different it's, city. I want to say it's LouisvilleNoise.com. All right, so give uh, that a try. I, th- I thought I was all being fancy, and turns out not so much. Yeah, so Louisville Noise, uh, noise pollution. Uh, there's it looks like noise pollution records.blogspot.com. Um I would I would go there instead of what I already said. Sorry right. about that. Moving forward. So we were talking about some uh formative rock and roll experiences uh earlier today, Brett. Or it was the last night, I can't remember, but you you mentioned a good great story about seeing Thin Lizzy. I did see Thin Lizzy. That's amazing. Ooh, I'm that's, proud to that's say That's one of my favorite wow. bands, of rock bands of all time. It's probably right? my favorite rock band of the 70s yeah. at this point. And they were then, you know, you, you ebb and flow with bands, but sure. they were huge for me. And a big part of it is, you know, there is a certain poetic quality to, to Phil Linnett's lyrics and just his, the kind of wistful romanticism of his thing. Absolutely, yeah. Is, is pretty unparalleled in heavy rock. You don't get that kind of... <laughs> vulnerability and you know to me it i mean i, I hate to you know it, uh, there is a I, no you're right there's a poeticism to it and there's know? a certain vulnerability that you know i hate to make the connection because you know they're both black guys playing rock music but similar to Jimi hendrix there's such a human fragile quality to jimmy like the the persona that comes through his music even though they both had you know jimmy had the foxy lady and phil's got the kind of tough swashbuckling side but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Van Morrison kind of poetic, mystical Irish stuff going on too that sure and I I'll, can't get enough of, and also kind of like almost a poignant sadness. And the music just too. kicks fucking ass relentlessly in so many different ways. Yeah, I love them. I even so, saw you guys do a cover of Cowboy Song. We did, we did, which was pretty sweet. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah with Patrick and John as the rhythm section. Always a good thing. Pat, that would be Patrick Walsh and John Houlihan of Risk Award. Of, yeah. And, and uh, of, Laugh in the Barrage. Live in the Barrage, yeah. Laugh in the Barrage here on Radio Nope, Fridays at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Those guys. Sweet. Those guys. Those guys. Such yeah. a handful. <laughs> they are definitely a handful. <laughs> I think I actually needed to have a whip to crack the whip in that room. Yeah. With those those. Those boys. I'm more into giving the past a slip myself. <laughs> when it comes down to it. Well, and it's, well. Fu- it, it's funny you mentioned that because I was actually reading an interview with Jerry Casale of the Mighty Devo. We're uh, sitting beneath a, a Freedom of Choice poster, people. Yep. Uh-huh. You and, can't see mm-hmm. that, but you it's can true. feel it. You can because they're all looking at us. They're judging. It's a little judging. Hey, Devo, I know how I sound, but how do I look? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and yeah, he was talking about that. First of all, Whip It was not the first, the the single that everyone thought was, oh, this is the singles, Girl You Want. Everyone was like, that's it. That's the single. And they were were kind of pushing for freedom of choice. Dude, there's one song on that record. 
and it's Gates of Steel. Gates of Steel. Man, it's a, that's it's a my jam, jam, man. It's a jam. That's my jam. But then, yeah, what happened was there was a uh, independent um, like music promoter, or like a radio DJ in Florida that just decided, no, this is the song. And he started playing oh, the right. hell out of it. And he started telling all his buddies to do the same at other stations. And then that caught on from there. And it went from being the, the promotional campaign for that record kind of was almost like, ah, all right, we're, you're, you're kind of done here. And they were playing these venues that suddenly they had to book bigger venues because it was such a hit. Now, personally, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think that it's even my top 30 songs for Devo because they're one of my favorite bands. Sure. But that said, it was kind of cool to see the writing process by, I guess, Jerry Casale, who wrote the lyrics, was like reading lots of Thomas Pynchon and sort of like into the idea of these like these these, these kind of stanzas of like riddles and things along those lines. And, mm. and, and, but, and then there's all this thought behind it. And then the musical process of it is everyone kind of brought in these different pieces, one which was Mark Mothersbrough came up with this, you know, that da 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 da. And it was basically Pretty Woman, but he put in like two beats Whoa. in it. Oh, <laughs> totally as wow. I never made that connection before, but. Yeah, so he's just totally taking a Roy there. Orbison lick and just kind of devoing it up. And Roy's kind of Devo esque, if you think about it. In his way, if you think about it, sure, yeah. I think we should make Devo a verb. Devo it out mm-hmm. yeah. Like you just did That's great Let's, let's keep that going let's, let's, if, if this radio show Can have one thing For its legacy Let's have that be the, mm-hmm. the thing we We'll make Devo a verb Yep mm-hmm. I devoed all the way down To that station Well and getting back To your story earlier As much like I'll talk about Devo All day long Trust me uh, But Thin Lizzy you, There were some other bands That played that As oh, well it was, right It was Louisville Summer Jam 2 Louisville Summer Jam 1 Had been two months earlier Funnily enough, like <laughs> so, it's like they did two summer jams. It was such the- a success. They booked another one like a month and a half later, wow. but it was wow. it was colder they and the bands weren't as good, and oh, they right. were just kind of you know. I'm like, why don't they do that now? They were just trying to capitalize. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can do it here because we don't have any seasons, but yeah, That's, yeah. But yeah, the the second one. I mean, I was there to see Thin Lizzy. It was the first band was in in ascending order. It was Roadmaster, mm-hmm. bottom of the bill. They were a. Uh, Workman-like rock band from Indianapolis, hence the name. Okay. The oh, racetrack. Uh, I gotcha. All right. And then Thin Lizzy, who was my favorite band in the world, because it's September of 78. Yeah, you yeah. Know? They're just, that's, they could not be on a hotter run right there. And as I told you, the I'm 12 years old. Like That was my third concert. My right. first concert wow. was Kiss and ACDC, December <laughs> oh 77. Oh, ACDC with Dang. Bon Scott, the Powerage Tour. Yeah. Dang. And, uh, like yeah. the best record, too. Yeah, Dang. totally. And uh, and it freaked my mom out so bad that after that, she just, if I wanted to go to a concert, she gave me the money and I just caught a ride with whatever <laughs> teenagers awesome. in the neighborhood were going. Right. Because she was never going to get caught in another rock concert. Oh, man. And I didn't smoke pot or nothing yet. I was a good kid. But it was you just know, like, could, it was kind of a wild trusted. scene and maybe it wasn't her thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People were... Like people were getting high. We it was me, my mom, and like my fifteen year old next door neighbor whom okay. I idolized. Sure, yeah. And uh people were getting high and mom was like, Oh, I think I think I just saw a drug deal go down. Should we call, you know, should we re- alert the authorities? And Glenn was like, I don't know, Mrs. Ralph, I think we ought to let it slide. Right, you know, right. and but it, it, it here here's the here's the coda, you know, to the kiss story, if not the thin Lizzie, is uh it was a great concert. It was Love Gun Tour. They opened with I Stole Your Love. Right. I mean, I liked AC DC. But yes. I didn't know who they were. You right. know, I I wow. bought their record wow. after I mean I was oh, eleven. Yeah. yeah, I didn't right. they were just the and they didn't have shirts on. And I think the thing about AC DC, they kind of freaked me out. And I think it's because it was clear that all their songs were about something I didn't understand, which I know now to be like 
no holds barred sex. Right. You yeah. know, but whatever their songs were about was a little too much for me. And that both thrilled and, and mystified me. Which rock and roll should every time. Right. You know? Yeah. But uh so as soon as the last kiss song came was over, mom rushes me, you know, she wants to beat the traffic. She's had enough. Right. And as we're walking, we're leaving Freedom Hall in Louisville, I hear Black Diamond kicked it kick in. They oh. came back for an encore. We didn't know. <laughs> and uh and I was like, It's Black Diamond, which was my favorite kiss song at the time. And my mom said, I've had enough. We gotta go. The traffic's gonna be crazy. Let's we gotta get out of here. And I burst into tears because I miss Black Diamond. Oh, man. So I left my first rock concert weeping uncontrollably because oh, she wouldn't take me back in to see the Oh man. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. But then Thin Lizzy, man, it's uh during jailbreak, they're on core. I'm 12. Right. And it's the first time two, lots of women were on their boyfriend's shoulders, but this was the first time at Louisville Summer Jam 2, September 12th, 1978, two women jumped on their boyfriend's shoulders and pulled their tube tops down. And that's the first time <laughs> in my short life I had ever seen Titties in the Wind. You know? Right, and right, right. It was just. Do you remember what song that was on? on jailbreak. That was on jailbreak. Everybody was busting out. You know, it was perfect. <laughs> And uh, tonight there's going to be a jailbreak, yeah, probably in the crowd. Yeah, and and you know the whole trajectory <laughs> of my adolescence clicked into place. You know, yeah. with jailbreak, then Lizzie. You're like, oh, this is what it feels off. like. <laughs> so, there it is. A little jailbreak coming at yeah. you. So dig this. So uh, are you going to play it? Oh, yeah, I'll, play I'll, play, I'll play it as the bed. That's fine. You can no. go. Keep, well, there's there's one code of this story. Uh, uh, a, a woman I fell in love with. She's a little bit younger than me, and uh, at that time I was writing this column for a, a music paper in Louisville called the Bert the Cat Official Fan Club Newsletter. The official Bert the Clat Cat mm-hmm. Fan Club Newsletter. My friend Paul Curry put it out, and I wrote a music column for it at Paul's behest called uh, "She Couldn't Believe What She Heard at All," okay. and it was just kind of my reminiscences about music. Oh, okay, so sort of like like tell and tells, just like how you are yeah, right now. Yeah, could be and... bands I was in, bands I saw, sure. just anything, and uh, it was fun. And I sent the the article I wrote about Thin Lizzy. I sent to this woman I was seeing at the time, and I asked her what she thought of it. And she's like, "How do you remember the date of the concert?" And I said, "Cause I still got the ticket stub." And she said, "Did, did the, did the." You know, when you wrote that article, did you think much about the date? And I was like, no, not just, you know, I remembered it from the ticket. And she Brett. said, Brett, that's the day I was born. Like, I saw Thin Lizzy oh, and so, man. You know, and wow. I'm like, check out this article. And she's like, that's the day I was born. Oh, so, man. Wow. Yeah. So that was a cool little bit <laughs> of kiss. That's wild. Man. Yeah. That's funny. Man. All right. And- <laughs> And so, so twelve the, years ain't that much. And, and so they have Thin Lizzy, and uh, obviously they were there. They're totally killing oh. it. And uh, there were some other bands. And then I had too, to right? sit through REO, Steve Miller Band, and Foreigner, all of whom I liked fine at that time. Right, right. But at, if you played anything on the radio enough, I'd get into it. You <laughs> right, know, I exactly. just loved it's music. Just repetition. Yeah, I had yeah. no discrimination. Sure. I remember buying the first Cars and the first Molly Hatchet record on the same trip. To the store. Oh, and, wow, okay. And, and Molly Hatcher are kind of the new waviest, waviest Southern rock band. They're yeah, pretty yeah. slick. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't really, we weren't really distinguishing yet, you know. If, and Devo, too. You know, I heard them on Dr. Demento for yeah, the first time. Of course, that was, yeah. That was my gateway drug to punk rock, was Devo on Dr. Demento. That's you could do a awesome. lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> you could do a lot worse. Yeah, Dr. Demento, man. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah! Some ass, some jailbreak, right. some exposed breasts coming at you! Hey, you good-looking female, come here. <laughs> and, Words to live by, people. And, and that's a line that not not everyone could deliver that line and have it work either, too. You know, yeah. like that's not a line. Like, did most people could try could, it? They could try it. Yeah. Well, the the question is not can you deliver that line. The question is, are they accepting deliveries? Right. You know. <laughs> Uh, that's, True. that's the real it's a numbers that's game. the real question it's a numbers game <laughs> like I think that the story was lost last week deliveries in the rear you know but that's the sign <laughs> outside the front door I all packages a, in the rear of the I, building on my way biking to work last week or the week before for some I was on my day off I had to go into work to get something um and I hear this man screaming at me, which is normal in San Francisco. <laughs> Especially where I exist, which is like the bad part of the mission and the tenderloin. That's like my route to work. I hear this man and I didn't really listen to him until he got to the end of what he was saying. But I heard what he said and it didn't make any sense until he's all arms in the air on the street corner. I pray to God I'm reincarnated as your bike seat. Ah, <laughs> nice. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. What a cool yeah. guy. Haggard old man, you just went there. Like, you have nothing to lose or you just do this to everyone. Well, hey, look, <laughs> if it works one time out of 100. No life yeah. till leather. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like so entertained like I have to share this with other people so that people know this actually happens cuz it does all the time. <laughs> Who yeah. knows? There's probably a fetish club around here somewhere where you can like with just you could like You could be the bike seat. So, yeah, like with a, a face-sized <laughs> hole for the bike seat and you can As long stick as you're going up somewhere and people just come along and ride it for a while and then yeah, Move to I the think next there's. Room. I think that there's. Isn't that like, what y'all are into out yeah, here? I think that's in Burn After Reading. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Coen Brothers movie has that uh, uh, some so, some sort of contraption. Burn after riding. <laughs> burn after burn riding. wall riding. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! <Wow. laughs> We're going for the, it. The alternate <laughs> porno with Brad Pitt <laughs> from Springfield, Missouri, where I used to teach. Oh, really? My first full-time teaching gig was in Springfield, Missouri. Well, oh, really? And that's a uh, so that's an interesting thing too. As, as someone who who is in, I don't know how far you want to get into discussing it, but as someone that. You know, you you do teach, mm -hmm. you, and that's something that reconciling that with like the rock and roll world, it's got to be you know an interesting kind of uh, dichotomy in, in certain aspects. Yeah. You find there's a lot of like crossover. Like, do you see your students at shows and things? Or I have, I've you know, I don't. There aren't many opportunities to play original music in rural Western Kentucky. So sure, I've played in Nashville, and students and colleagues have come down and checked me out. Are you a high school teacher? I teach college. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I've I've had a couple students who've come up to Louisville and see me. Uh, cool, you know. And uh, what do you teach? English, creative cool. writing, literature. It's you know people. One cool thing is you know people like to vilify the the South for its narrow mindedness or what have I'm you. I'm familiar and with this. You're from Florida, and there's yeah. plenty of reason for those mm -hmm. thoughts. 
But, you know, I teach at a community college in rural western Kentucky, and I get to teach African-American literature, women's literature. Yeah. I'm neither black nor a woman, uh, radio audience. <laughs> Just in case you were yeah, in any, I hate to break it to you and uh, shatter your illusions. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big white guy, and I get to teach a lot of stuff. And where else could I do that? You know, like yeah. how closed-minded are we? Right. I mean, you could say, well, we should have, you know, we have female... Uh, Faculty members who also teach women's lit. I don't teach it yeah. exclusively. We do not have any African Americans in the English department, which is quite small. Right. Um, I just taught it because nobody else was doing it. Right. And, and Hop Hopkinsville, where I teach, is actually the only city in Kentucky with a higher per capita African American population than Louisville. Much oh, okay. smaller okay. town. Louisville's maybe twenty eight percent black. Okay. And you know, and sixteenth uh, largest city in the these United States. Hop uh -huh. Town's probably. 40,000 people, but it's about 35% black. Oh, wow. Bell Hooks is from there, the oh, feminist yeah. scholar and cool. sure, yeah. educational theorist. And uh, Edgar Casey, known as the Sleeping Prophet, uh, Google him, C-A-Y-C-E, -E, a fascinating clairvoyant from the early 20th century, a real oh, unique. I'm gonna there are whole societies, uh, you know, dedicated to the study. He would go into trances or asleep. Whoa. And mm. predict the future, diagnose illnesses. You could ask him questions while he was in these trances, and he he anticipated homeopathy, herbalism, chiropractic. Wow. Oh wow, wow, Real okay. The the that's really the interesting. The bio by to me. Fitzpatrick. There's a bunch of books about Casey. Oh, okay. The bio by Fitzpatrick is one of the most fascinating stories I've ever read. Really? So mm. it's Bell Hooks, okay. Edgar Casey, and the drummer for the Black Crows. Those are the three famous people. From Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Cool. I'm really interested in this Edgar, Edgar Casey. I've heard the name before, but I didn't know all of that about him. That stuff fascinates me. He's and, a and wild dude. He was like a tobacco farmer, just a real humble dude who just had these paranormal experiences. Do you think that that's there wild. was... Okay. Yeah. I was recently talking to someone about um, looking at mental illness, in a, and I'm not saying that he had any mental illness, but some people do say that like people with certain disorders and we were specifically talking about schizophrenia it's like they're more receptive to certain things and are receiving information on a different plane so much that they can't process it in normal society and how we define things sure which is a really i don't know it's an interesting way of looking at things because where i live i see all sorts of really quote-unquote like interesting crazy things sure. but some of the things i hear people say are like so prophetic and like inter it's just kind of like whoa did you just say that like that seems crazy but it's kind of not in a way because i'm paying attention like charles manson <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> None of the people I've interacted with so far are a danger to me, but but he was crazy and wild. But like a lot of stuff he says has a poetic quality to it. And yeah. sure, and that hence lies the, the appeal of how he is able to get people. Yeah, right. Uh, He's also a sociopath, sure, sure, which has a well, certain amount of charm read, to it. I read something once <laughs> that uh, <laughs> he has Kentucky roots too. I might add that's why he's so you know charming, scarily brilliant. Uh, but no, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You got so. it. I do attract weirdos and mustaches, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was very fitting. <laughs> it's true. But I read once that, uh, 
that the brain processes that are occurring during periods of intense creativity uh-huh. in in anyone yeah it's it's the same thing that happens on a much lower smaller level during a full-blown manic episode for someone who's bipolar really and I definitely okay. so creativity that. is yeah. like manageable low-level mania and that totally makes sense to anyone who's does. ever stayed up all night writing a song or yeah. painting or you get in that weird i mean it's a rush and yeah uh, i've definitely and seen so and experienced that the, and the yeah. overlapping of so-called mental illness and intense creativity. Like in, when I was in Ladakh, I went to the Himalayas about 20 years ago uh, in Northern India. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tibetan Buddhist, Buddha, the Buddhist religion is such a central part of daily life there. You would see people like plopping down on the sidewalk, like rocking back and forth with their malas, their mm-hmm. rosaries, praying and chanting. Mm-hmm. And in America, we would think, what a psycho. Like, I got to walk yeah. around this person, you know, call the cops. Right. There, that was revered. You're so devout that you got to plop down and pray in the street, you know. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was admired and, and championed. There was not seen as weird behavior. Yeah. You know, and so huh. what's okay. crazy, you know? Right. like Well, that's, this is also something I've socially been determined well, to some extent. I'm yeah. not saying some people aren't truly dangerous of to course, themselves yeah. and others but <laughs> but, but you it's know really it's all relative they might be a lot less dangerous if we didn't vilify them so right. much for their eccentric behavior yeah yeah that's you know what yeah, that's a, that's a damn good point <laughs> well i mean i live around people on the streets that would be considered crazy yeah. and a lot of times i have made a point now to acknowledge them make eye contact and you know in a safe way like pay attention because i live there they live there you know yeah. it's like i don't want to have that division of people around me also my roommate's boyfriend like works in a halfway house in soma and you we were talking recently about all the different blurred lines of like functional or symptomatic behaviors which i've you know i feel like most people have some sort of behavioral difference that nobody's normal right exactly right you know and so it's interesting to use the word crazy it has this negative connotation but honestly like i know some really beautiful crazy minds that are like i call them crazy geniuses they're a little you know it's kind of like you look at someone and you're like wow like that's really out there what you just said but it's it's also brilliant and i hope you can (laughs) Keep going. Oh, you can that. articulate a, that into something that is, you know, useful or you know, Protu- well, productive. There's uh, a line. Think, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, please. no, no. Go ahead. There's a line on the second Kentucky Chrome Review record, which is not out. Uh, there's worse things in this world than being crazy. You know, yeah, like definitely. I know lots of beautiful, sweet, so-called crazy people, and you know, they'd probably say they're crazy. You know, they're, you know, working with it. Yeah. But you know, to me, as, as long as you. you're, well, as long as you, you know. Uh, you're kind and you're not a malicious or violent or yeah. dangerous person. Like most of my friends are a little bit crazy and yeah. they're probably saying the same about me. And, you know, as long as you're nice and not hurt nobody, I, I don't have a problem with craziness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, crazy can be downright fantastic if it's yeah. applied properly. It's true. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. You should isolate that sound bit. <laughs> <laughs> the key I, is applied properly. Applied properly. <laughs> <laughs> Symptoms applied properly. Let's apply this cream. Let's apply this properly. This is a titanium falcon by tilts.
Frisco's a full day from home When you can afford to fly But it might as well be the moon When you're as broke as I Here I sit with my head in my hand And watch the trains roll by Lord, the helping hand mission men warned me The nights here got cold When you're cold, there's nothing as welcome as sunshine When you're dry, there's nothing as 
Newberry with a Frisco Depot there. That's God damn, that sounded good. That's a heck of a song. That's uh, <laughs> um, that reminded me quite a bit of Will Oldham. Well, yeah, well, I think Will was behind that that three CD, uh, an American trilogy that Drag City released of Mickey Newberry's okay, uh, three probably his three best albums a few years ago, which is the perfect introduction to his music and probably all that most people need with a really great booklet. I think Will wrote a little essay for it. Okay. But, but I think I might have indirectly had a hand in that. Uh, Todd Brashear, who was in Slint and was an original Palace brother, the one singing the high harmonies. A lot mm. of people think yeah, it's yeah. Will. Will has an amazing falsetto now, but on those early records, Will usually went low and I'm Todd sang high. Okay. And uh, I gave Todd a, a, a CDR, a, a burn of the first Mickey Newberry record. Which I bought solely because uh, one of my favorite David Allen Coe songs I found out had been written by Mickey Newberry and was on that album. Okay. It's called Looks Like Rain. All right. I gave a copy to Todd and he promptly forgot about it. And a few months later, he's like, Man, why didn't you tell me how good that Mickey Newberry record was? He's like, I finally listened to it. It blew my mind. I said, Todd, you should assume that anything I give you is awesome <laughs> and just listen to it or I wouldn't give it to you. Let's just start with the yeah. fact that anything I give you is awesome. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll that's go a from given. <laughs> and I think he was so into it. He was, he, he told Will about it or played it for him. And there was sure. a little Mickey Newberry renaissance all of a sudden in Louisville. And uh, as there should be. Yeah. But that's my absolutely. favorite. 
probably my favorite song about San Francisco. Well, what's interesting is to actually know the depot of, of which that song is referring to. No it was, way. It, it, well, it was torn down a few years ago. There's like a skyscraper oh, wow. or something there now. But yeah, it was a. For it, all it, I actual, knew, he just made it up. Well, it was I'm just assuming. A title. Yeah, that's. I beautiful. mean, there, there was a depot where all the trains. Uh, yeah. But whenever I come out here, I always say, oh, I can't wait to come back to Frisco. And people are like, dude, don't say you that. You can't say Frisco. And <laughs> I'm like, super first off, when y'all start saying Louisville, right, I'll stop saying Louisville. Frisco. <laughs> but secondly, if it's good enough for Mickey Newberry and John Lee Hooker, it's good enough for me. I'm it's Louisville, say. right? Louisville. Louisville. It's two and a half syllables. Louisville. L O U A V U L O V U L L. Louisville. 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 That's not Louisville. Stress, is... unstress, not quite as stress as the first one. Louisville. Gotcha. I don't know. Okay. But, but if you're not from there, you can say you can't say Louisville. But you can say Louisville. <laughs> you say and, Louisville, no. you will be punched. Yeah. Well, it's just it ain't that ain't where we live. That's a town in Ohio. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Oh yeah. So and uh, I should have mentioned also before that we had Pedagogue by Lardo, which is off of the Grace Gunmetal Eyes record, and before that we had Titanium Falcon by Tilts off of the album Quattro Hombres. Quattro nice. homies. Yes, four friends. Four homies. Yes, four homies. <laughs> Indeed. I learned to say Frisco from Jack Kerouac, which I feel like is pretty legit. There you go. And yeah, I've been also scolded for saying that. And also when I met my roommate, who's also from Louisville, he said Louisville, like maybe six or 10 times. And every time I was like, huh, what? Where? Wait, what? I love your accent, but where are you Say it again. I'm not saying you all got to say Louisville. I'm saying the rules are different for non-natives. Sure. You know? Yeah. Y'all can't say Frisco. And I don't say it, I'm saying it now, but I don't don't refer to it as Frisco when I'm here. Right, right. Just like Lupe, you know, my my lead guitar player. I refer to him as Lupe, but I don't call him Lupe. Right. I refer to this as Frisco, but I'm not going to call it Frisco while I'm here. Gotcha. Present company. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes Unless sense. I'm on the radio. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> you, us, and the listening audience. That's right. <laughs> uh, before, and we, we are uh, kind of nearing the, the end of the show, uh, and, it's, and it's been fantastic. It's say flown, it ain't so. It's flown by, but I, I, there's a couple of things I, I want to I talk to you about. You mentioned storied me earlier. It's pretty fantastic about Minor Threat. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I was wondering if you if you wouldn't mind sharing that because a lot of people don't know. You know, you going back in the day, malignant growth. Like you were, you know, you you were around for all that. You played shows with them. I'd like to think, you know, that one of the reasons for our relative success by early '80s hardcore standards was we were real good. We were really tight, right? But part of it is that we were just around longer. You know, most punk rock bands back then were together for six months. Flash in the pan. We were together for like six years with pretty much the same lineup. And, you know, we were just around and, you know, so we got good gigs. We played with a lot of those bands, but we played with Minor Threat twice. But the first time we idolized them. Like I I put out, I was 16. I I put out a fanzine. And when I found out they were coming to Nashville, a club called Cantrell's, which no longer exists, I only went to Cantrell's twice. Mm -hmm. March of 83, we opened for Minor Threat. And then sometime in 80, oh, it was winter. So let's say January or February of 87, no, 87, 84, I saw the replacements on the Let It Be tour at Cantrell's and wow. almost nice. died in an ice storm on the way home. Wow. Uh, that's and another you didn't, story. And I did not have, die. You've lived to tell the story. I have. That's great. So, the, so Minor Threat, we go down there and, you know, we're all juiced. We get down there early. 
and uh, hang out with them all day. They had actually just picked up out of step the the copies mm. at the yeah, pressing yeah. plant, and I bought the first copy ever sold. Nice. Like watched Ian cut open the box and wow. hand me the first one. You know, fantastic. Cool. And yeah. uh, you know, they're my favorite band. I'm 16 you still have years it? old. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. And they're my favorite. <laughs> they're my favorite band in the world. Yeah. So uh, we're hanging out with them all day, and we go eat lunch, and we're fucking around Nashville. It's a, it's a blast. You know, we're having the time of our lives. We're hanging out like. You know, eating pie and coffee with our heroes, like goofing around Nashville. It's the mm-hmm. best. And uh, but it, it was, you know, it was March and they had just started their tour and they were going all the way out to San, Fr- to San Francisco and yeah, coming yeah. back for a couple months. And their roadie and Jeff Nelson, their drummer, were both sick with the flu. And the, the roadie was so sick that Ian took him to the hospital to get antibiotics because they were going to be on the road a while. And he, he was just he wasn't doing well. So the first band sound checks, we sound check, and it's Minor Threat's turn, and Ian ain't back. So Lyle Pressler comes up to me, and he's like, hey, Brett, do you know any of, any of our songs? I knew them all, you know? Had them all. <laughs> right, yeah. We did Minor Threat covers, not that night, mind yeah, you, yeah. but, you know, I knew wow. them all, and I was like, yeah, a couple. You know, I was playing <laughs> yeah, it cool. Yeah, yeah, play, play it real cool. Yeah. He's like, well, Ian ain't back, and we need to check. Uh, would you mind singing for us so we could check the levels? <laughs> So at 16 years old, sure, I got to front my favorite band in the world and do Filler, Scene Red, and Straight Edge, backed by Minor oh, Threat. Man. Wow, that's, that's awesome. so great. Ten people saw it. It was two in the afternoon yeah, on yeah. Wednesday in Nashville. But you still but got to do it. It happened. Yeah. Like, it did. It man. really did. That's cool. That's yeah. definitely My other favorite street. thing about that show is, I guess because it was Nashville, there's this legendary Louisville punk rocker named Richard Knapper. AKA Jack Boots, uh, who once was kicked out of a high school football game for stomping on another player's neck. Oh, yeah, he was a, he was a bad dude. He would get in lots of fights and stuff. He was, I guess, because it was Nashville, he was treating them as rednecks. Even you know Kentuckians, even we looked down on some people, I guess. <laughs> but the whole night, like our our set and Minor Threats both got recorded. You know, okay. I still got sure. tapes of them. Nice. And all night in between songs, Jack Boots just kept hollering, you know, Leonard Skinner, Molly Hatchet, you right, know, right, Marshall right. Tucker. Yeah. And it's just, it's so great to just hear his voice. <laughs> he never let up wow. the whole night. Like, wow. Yeah, I loved him for that. That's, he used that's to wear cool. a referee shirt to hardcore shows. And if, if things, if he didn't dig the way things were on the pit, what do you call the offsets? referee, no, the referee <laughs> would like, Lower the boom on him and institute. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. He was a notorious cat. He's probably the reason that like punk rockers in in Cincinnati and Indy and whatnot referred to our fans as the Louisville Hardcore Army because right. he was kind of a the enforcer. Wow. Another. There's a great Jack Boots story. We played Lexington at this soul food kitchen called the Prawl Town Cafe. My favorite place Milligan Growth ever played. Mm-hmm. It was a. It was in. It was in the African-American part of Lexington, known as Prawl Town. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, a, a meet and three. It was a fried chicken family restaurant. and But for, for maybe a summer, they had punk rock shows. And so wow. we'd be hauling okay. in our gear, and all these black families are having dinner, just like slapping their knees and like openly laughing at us because we got mohawks and yeah, fucked yeah, up it's clothes. Yeah, it's not what you expect to see. Yeah, the, and it was great. Scene, right? We're laughing, too. And they would hang out and check it out. It was an awesome scene. Well, we played down, there were these concrete steps down to this little pit. 
I don't know if this story is going to work without the vigils, but I'm going to try to <laughs> okay, make it so work. Okay, so we'll try. You're just, yeah. We're playing, and Jack Boots is super drunk, you know? And he slips and comes tumbling down these, you know, we're down probably seven concrete steps in this little tiny sunken area in the back of the bar. He comes stumbling backwards down these concrete steps mm -hmm. and just slams his head on the concrete oh, no. hard. Oof. Like, I was surprised he got up. I thought he was knocked out. And he jumped up, and I guess to like to shake it off or to be hardcore, he immediately starts skanking furiously, like bumping into me. But like after like three seconds, he stopped and like grabbed his head and was leaning over with his face, his mouth open and just like mute agony going, oh. And then he would start skanking again. I guess he had a concussion. He was so drunk, he didn't know. <laughs> but he kept stopping and like screaming in agony and holding his head and then he'd forget and start thrashing around again and this <laughs> wow. went on wow. for like you know the next <laughs> 20 wild. minutes yeah wow that's crazy i've had a concussion when drunk and sober actually and that doesn't sound very good at all that was a show i split my my tight black corduroys knee to knee to like just moving oh. around thank god yeah, i was yeah. wearing boxers you know <laughs> right time. wasn't a free show <laughs> no <laughs> No, all the gravel fell out of my boxers, out of my nuts, and that's what Jack Boots actually slipped on was the, was the gravel, gravel yeah. for my nuts. It's called a callback after my pants mm -hmm. ripped. We do, we do love a good callback <laughs> around here. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean? Mm. Dick as big as the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, that's you can right. Fuck the world for seventy-two hours. Oh I man, dig as big as big as Easter Island. That's so cool. it's like mostly underneath the dirt? <laughs> That's where it's going to end up sooner or later. So, yeah, why not? That's a fair point. On that note. Fair, and on that yeah. note. <laughs> We're not ending on that, are we? That's the end. I think that's... With that's... my dick in the dirt? That's how you're going to leave me, Oakland? If you had known it was wow. this kind of party, I would have stuck my dick in the dirt. <laughs> oh. I hope that ain't a snake hole. <laughs> that's, that's back in Kentucky, like... Our our kind of poetical version of whiskey dick, yeah, is like tr it's like trying to shove a snake back in its hole, <laughs> <laughs> shoving a snake back in the ground. Like, try getting a snake back in the ground wow. sometime. Yeah, difficult. Yeah, difficult and dangerous. Well, Brett Eugene Ralph, it's been it's been a goddamn pleasure to wow. have you on the Thank show. Thank you man. both. True. This Thank is, you so uh, much. It's yeah. been wonderful. It's my pleasure. And if uh, let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Tomorrow. <laughs> this, is, this is we do this every day. Now. This is what we do. Radio. Yep. So uh, thank you once again. If, if, to find out all things Brett Eugene Ralph, you can uh, you can go on the internet. Just ask somebody. Just ask, just ask somebody. <laughs> Noisepollution.bandcamp.com. I thought you knew. I thought you knew, man. I thought you knew. <laughs> They're on the Facebook. Uh, or you could ask somebody, too. You could also you ask could somebody. You could ask them or ask them, you know. Yeah. Whichever feels right. Whatever, whatever you're working with, just yeah. Make sure, make sure you uh, dig a little further. No, oh, I have an axe over here. There, there you go. Problem solved. I'll just ask somebody. The name of this show is, of course, none other than Protonic Reversal. And we thank you for that. With the listening and everything. Thank you, listeners. We got a Facebook page. This show happens exclusively on Radio Nope Thursdays, 5 p.m. Pacific. 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, man. Keep it rocking. All right. See you down the road. This microphone.
turns sound into electricity. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive.
Radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. Do you know where I can hear the best cutting-edge internet radio? Nope. Nope.